Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. All right, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on. And uh, today, uh, it's kind of one of those days where I have like a 10-pound message in a five-pound bag. And so please read your programs. Um, there are a lot of things are, are happening right now. Um, be diligent in that, but we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Uh, we are heading towards Easter, and uh, it has been uh, just a good time to reflect about um, what it means to prepare ourselves for, for Easter and just remembering what Jesus did on a cross for all of us. And one of the things that just will not leave me this past couple weeks is, uh, you know, one of the reasons Jesus went to the cross for us is so that we could experience radical change and that we could be different people that we could um, not make all the same old mistakes again and again, that we would have new opportunities to experience life the way it was supposed to be experienced, and just, just the opportunity for change. Today we're going to talk about the strange change range, okay? The strange change range. I call it that because um, a, lo a lot of us want to change. I definitely know some people who do not want to change at all. <laughs> they hate all forms of change. Uh, some of us believe that change is a dirty word, and uh, we, we just don't like it. But others, many of you I know, and myself, I, I, want, I, I still want to change a bunch of things in my life. I want to change things in my heart. I want to change uh, the way I interact with people. Just, I want to change. And so that brings about a problem because a lot of us, we, we, we don't feel like we have changed. We don't feel like um, we have been able to put our finger on if we're better or not with certain things. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old... See, here's one thing I would change. I would get rid of my lisp. I speak publicly, and I have to read words like myths. It's impossible. Just a little thing I'd change. That's just a physical woman. Have nothing to do with godless uh, lies. An old wives' tales. Rather, train, the important word here is train, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. And so, in this paragraph here, the Apostle Paul is uh, beginning to talk about spiritual change, as in spiritual fitness, and equating it to, you know, training your body is of lots of different benefits, and even more so, training in a spiritual way. Um, I 
had a, 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 radical, a radical change take place this week. Um, <laughs> I, I joined Weight Watchers. And uh, it has been, it's been a radical change. And it was one of those things that I wanted to change about myself for a long time. Uh, but it was also one of those areas where I was, I was giving up before I started. Because uh, any past attempts uh, have been, you know, joining the gym I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to join the gym. Um, I've belonged to a gym four different times where I was paying monthly. Uh, one of the times, the, the first time I joined a gym, I went uh, four times that year. I have these written out because of, um, uh, anyway, different story. The second time I joined a gym, I went eight times. Now. These are things where I was paying every single month, and I don't know if it's still the same way now, but it used to be where you could not get out of a gym membership. You had to fake your own death. <laughs> the third time I joined a gym, I went six times. The fourth time I joined a gym for a year and paid every month, I went two times. When I added them up, uh, those four years that I belonged to a gym, they cost $1,440, which comes out to $72 per workout. I didn't experience a lot of change from them. And so uh, this past week, I joined Weight Watchers. My wife has been uh, doing that for a while and has had tremendous success. And I was just resistant to it for a long time. One of the things was a, a little thing whispered in my head that uh, Weight Watchers is for chicks, man. That was one of those little things. Like, yeah, sure, there are guys that do it, but I mean, are they like guy guys kind of things? And so I had to get over that. And I, I joined it, and it has been... It's just been fantastic. <laughs> it's been fantastic. And I'm just super excited about it. And I, uh, for me to get out of the overweight category, I had to lose 52 pounds. And, um, and it's the first time ever that I, I absolutely know, without the shadow of a doubt, that I'm going to do it. It's, I've never felt that way. Well, thanks. We'll clap later when I'm there. I'll have skinny claps. But a different experience is going on right now where I am just excited. Um, it is like there's just a radical change has started. And it's a beautiful thing. How do we change on any kind of level, on a physical level, something we want to change. Uh, we're at church, so one of the areas we focus on, of course, is how do I change spiritually? In Galatians chapter 5, it says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If you want to experience real change in your spiritual life, then I believe you have to understand the nature of what it means to change as a believer, as a Christian. This passage in Galatians gives us a look at the nature of changing as a Christian with this simple phrase, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Four things are kind of implied or um, weaved into this really simple phrase that is really complex at the same time, the fruit of the Spirit. The four things that are um, a part of this that have to do with change, if you want to write these down, I believe that they are helpful. There are four different elements to spiritual change that must take place or automatically take place if you are if you're living by the spirit the first one is gradual change is gradual the second is inevitable change is inevitable the third is internal change is internal and the last one is that it's symmetrical Changes symmetrical. The Apostle Paul uses the word fruit. And he deliberately uh, brings up this metaphor of botanical growth, gardening, relating to plants. Anybody like gardening in here? Karen, I saw you. And Paul, I don't think Paul was a gardener. But he brings up a plant metaphor in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that you have been born from the imperishable seed from God. Psalm chapter 1 says that we're like trees that grow up near the water. Throughout Scripture, there's this emphasis on botanical growth and metaphors around us being like plants. Why do you think that is? Because God needs us to understand that our personal growth, our change in our faith is gradual. It's as gradual as a tomato growing from a seed. It's as gradual as a zucchini growing. It's as gradual as a flower blooming. Christian change is gradual. And so the first highlighted thing for your notes. Change is gradual. And botanical growth, 
you don't ever see it happen. You know, unless we're watching, that's one of the coolest things is seeing time-lapse sped up videos of plants. You're like, oh, look, I can see it. But you can't ever see it when you're trying to grow that thing. And you're doing these things that feel like they're not really making a difference. You can't see it happen. You know that it's happening, but you can't see it taking place. And it's not, that, it's not just that way with plants. Any kind of growth is like that. When you were growing up, you probably had a grandma who said, I think you got bigger since last time I saw you. You're like, what? did I? Did I? You've been experiencing that gradual growth every day. She hasn't seen you for a little while. Whoa, you look different. Growth is always super small and gradual, and so we can't see it. Uh, it's, it's this thing that we can't see, but we can measure it. We can measure it on a scale, measure it with a ruler. You can measure it in a lot of different ways. It's slow and it's mysterious. Uh, at our house for the longest time, we had in one of the hallways uh, the growth chart, the height chart for each of the kids, and we would just randomly take a date down and, you know, you mark them on the wall, and on this date you were four foot two. And it doesn't, you're, you're, they're never feeling like they're growing, but you come back a couple months later and I'm an inch taller. I didn't even feel it. Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that these are like fruit in the botanical way because they also develop slowly, that it's gradual and you can never see it happening. You have to be patient with a fruit tree. It doesn't produce fruit overnight. At the same time, though, there are seasons of incredible growth. It's the reason why when you look inside of a tree, it has rings. There's a season of incredible growth, and then there's also winter time for every kind of tree where the growth is slowed down. And these fruit trees will go into a dormant period where they're not producing fruit, and it's all part of the cycle. And it might look like there's not any growth going on at all, but next season comes around, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a plum. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, they are like fruit. They grow, but you don't ever really see them grow. There are seasons of growth. This is why it can be hard sometimes when you're listening to someone tell a story. You hear a testimony of some kind, and uh, it, they, they'll say things like, you know, I used to have this condition, or I used to be this way or that way, but by the grace of God, I've changed. I changed. I'm healed. I'm different now. I used to be this way, and now I'm, I'm changed. But for every one of those people that you're hearing that story from, there are five or ten of us out there who maybe are in a season of winter right now. And we're not seeing that growth. And we're going through that slow, gradual growth time, and we have to be, we have to be patient. Despite what anyone says, you will never feel growth. But 
you can measure it. It can be tested. Anybody uh, here a runner when you were younger, when you were a teenager or anything? So, 100-yard dash. Imagine that uh, 13-year-old you was able to run the 100-yard dash in 2019 at a certain time. A year goes by, you're 14 now, and you don't feel a lot different. You're a year older, but you don't feel a whole lot different. You don't feel faster, but you run a year later and your time is lower. Why is it lower? Because you're an inch taller. You're two inches taller. Your stride is, is further. You're stronger now. You don't feel stronger. You never feel it. But guess what? You are faster. You're faster than you were a year ago. It can be timed. It can be tested. And you can measure it. And then you can tell. And you can see the number. And you can go, oh my God, I, I'm faster. I did change. I did grow. For a lot of us, we can't tell that we've grown spiritually until something bad happens to us. When you get to that point where you say, man, a couple years ago, I would have never been able to handle this. A couple years ago, I would have never been able to be this patient with my kids. A couple years ago, I would have never been able to uh, solve this, um, just this nightmare mess with my family or with my friends or at my job. I'd have never been able to do this, and I, I was able to do it now. You can, start, you can see certain things. And so uh, here, here's what I'll, I'll ask any of you here today. Any of you out there on the interweb, do you feel more patient now? Do you feel more self-controlled? Do you feel, do you feel kinder? No. Just like you don't feel faster. But you are. Christian growth is slow and it's gradual. But if the Spirit of God is inside of you, a seed has been planted in you, and not only will you change gradually, you'll change inevitably. The second point for your notes the thing about changing as a believer is Christian change is inevitable. It's inevitable. You will become more patient. You will become wiser. You will become stronger. You will be able to face your troubles. You will become angry less often. You will be more loving. You will change and you must. You absolutely must. You have to. A man named G. Campbell Morgan was a British minister uh, about 80 or 90 years ago, and he told a story in one of his writings about gradual and inevitable change. Uh, in this story, he wrote about uh, some wealthy person in Italy who had just an unbelievable marble slab laid over this man's grave. 
and the story had something to do with he, he wanted it to protect him, that this was like an immovable marble slab, and so he was going to be safe in the ground somehow, uh, that this thing was like just unbreakable. They said it weighed approximately 12,000 pounds laid over his grave. What they didn't realize when they buried him before they put this 12,000-pound marble slab over top of him was that an acorn accidentally got into the mix. And this acorn does what acorns do, and they, it sprouted. And then from the sprout came a shoot, and from the shoot came a seedling, and from the seedling came a tree. And in not that much time at all, this 12,000-pound slab of marble was split in half because the acorn wins. 12,000 pounds of marble laid on an acorn. Who's going to win? It's a no-brainer every time. It's the acorn. It's always the acorn. If botanical growth has that kind of power, imagine the kind of power that the Spirit of God has inside of you, that seed that is growing inside of you, and what it can do over the course of time. And it's not just any old fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. You're not saved by fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, but it's also going to be really, really difficult to prove to anyone or to prove to yourself that you've been saved if you don't see this fruit. If you have a fruitless faith, you're never going to feel changed. If you have the Spirit of God, that seed inside of you, it is inevitable that it's going to grow. But uh, for that to happen, you, you have to ask yourself some really hard questions a lot of times. Um, if you have been a believer for a long time now, but there isn't a lot of fruit present you need to ask yourself some really hard questions. Some of you have been believers for many years, but you're still a person who can't keep secrets at all. And you gossip, and so nobody wants to tell you anything. Some of you have been believers for years, but you are um, undiplomatic. You are abrasive. You are like sandpaper. And so um, you don't really have any friends. Some of you maybe have been a believer for a long time, but you have a secret sin that happens in the dark, and you haven't overcome it. Some of you have been a believer for a long time, but honestly, you're not a very loving person, and you always come across as mean or uncaring or resentful or judgmental or whatever. Some of you have been a believer for a long time, yet you find yourself always getting your feelings hurt, that you're offended by everything. And so it's caused you to go from group to group and job to job and church to church, always feeling snubbed by someone, always feeling wronged by someone or offended by something. What this is, is it's, it's a lack. It's a lack of the fruit of the Spirit. It's a lack of love, a lack of peace 
a lack of patience, kindness, gentleness. It's a lack of fruit. And I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. I'm just saying that it's really hard to uh, experience the good stuff, and it's really hard for other people to know and for even you to know yourself that you're a believer and that radical change is possible. If you're somebody in this room right now who says the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, I'm going to say shame on you. This is the church of Jesus. He is in the business of teaching old dogs new tricks. That's why we're here. And so if you are saying that and putting it out into the world again and again, it's a lie against him. He teaches old dogs new tricks. It's the Spirit of God. If he's there, you'll change. That brings us to the third, the third part of changing as a believer. For your notes, it would be that change is internal. Change is internal. Paul, again, describes it as the fruit of the Spirit, this change taking place in your life. And what is the fruit of the Spirit again? Is it leading people? Is it uh, making good financial decisions? Is it managing? Is it editing, dancing, singing, intelligence, charisma, Instagram followers? No. External growth and internal growth are super different. If you were to keep throwing bricks onto a pile, uh, eventually, you know, the pile is growing. Um, and so it's, it's growing in an external way, um, but it's not growing internally. It's not growing in how complex it is. Like, it's still just a, a pile of bricks. It's not growing in importance. It's not growing in, uh, you know, some of those internal things. It's not growing the same. A, a pile of bricks doesn't grow in the same way that a child does. Or the way that fruit grows. Martin Luther and John Wesley were two famous ministers who were classic examples of people who were very, very, very religious, and they knew all kinds of stuff. They're just geniuses in the faith, and they knew all kinds of stuff that we should be doing for the church and stuff that we should be doing for God, and they wrote about it at length. They wrote books. They served the poor. They gave money away. They taught the Bible, and these two men, they grew in stature they grew in popularity, they grew in their record, they grew in their resume, but they weren't growing themselves. These two men, I love their stories because uh, it wasn't until many, many years into their ministry that something changed with both of them where they allowed the Spirit of God to indwell them and to change them and recognize that they were doing all these things, but they weren't allowing God to do anything in them. And they said, this, this has to, and, and, they, and they, they changed everything. 
They said, if you bought one of our old books, throw it away. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but I have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all knowledge, all mysteries, and have faith that can move mountains, but I have not love, then I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship, that I may boast but I do not have love, I gain nothing. What, what Paul's talking about here is external growth. Like if I, if I do all these things and I grow in these different external ways, I can do all these things and it can all be for nothing. I can teach, I can pray, I can give money, I can do all these things, but it's for nothing because I'm still rude, I'm still unloving, I'm still not at peace, I'm still not in control of myself, I'm still angry. He's not saying that you're not a Christian, but he is saying it's possible that maybe out of a desire to prove yourself or earn your salvation or grow in things that are not the fruit of the Spirit, that you could let the Spirit of God actually grow other people all around you or even through you and never grow you at all. Matthew 7 this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, his friends, his followers, the ones who were the closest to him, the ones who ate dinner with him on a regular daily basis, the ones who were his inner circle. And Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me. Real Christian change is internal. It has to be happening within you, not just around you. The last one is that Christian change is symmetrical. Christian change is symmetrical. And we'll be running out of time, and this one's hard because it's a, it, it's a little bit of a mind-blower. Christian change is symmetrical. So let's, we'll try to stay with me. I'll try to keep it together. For years, um, scholars of the Bible have recognized that the Apostle Paul did something really, really interesting when he was writing about the fruit of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit, the singular word for fruit, like a grape. The singular word for fruit, he says, of the Spirit is, dot, 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 and then he gives us the list of all the things, which are all plural. And so the way that he writes this, the subject is singular and the predicate is plural. English teachers cringe. Like, you don't, you can't do that. You don't do, but that Paul was doing this very, very, very purposefully. He was doing it uh, knowing what he was doing and trying to show us that all of these things, these fruits of the Spirit, are one. And this is important because Christian change is symmetrical. In the 1700s, a writer named John, Jonathan Edwards wrote a book about the fruits of the Spirit. In his book, he says, there is a 
concatenation, a concatenation of the graces of Christianity. The graces of Christianity are the fruit of the Spirit. The love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness. He says there's a concatenation of the graces of Christianity. If you want to know whether the character growth that's happening in your life is real spiritual love and not something that's counterfeit, not something that's temporary that will go away under certain circumstances, then you must see that they are always absolutely concatenated. That that just means that they go together and they work together. That they're intertwined and that they need each other. That the fruit of the Spirit are intertwined and they need each other. That they don't, uh, you don't say, well, I've been really working on that that, that one fruit, patience. The other one, I'll get to those later. I'll get to those other ones later. Like, that, that's not how it works, that they all go together, the fruit of the Spirit work together. And so you have one of the items on that list is peace, but along with peace, there has to be humility. There has to be um, a becoming humble for it to actually work. Peace is a a lack of worry, a lack of anxiety. But if you're a very proud person, if you struggle with pride, then you will never have peace in your life. If you struggle with pride, it's because the opposite of peace is worry, and worry is a sign of pride because worry means that You're refusing to assume a humble position before God. If you're worried about anything, here's one of the things I could tell you. You're not giving it to Him. You're not ever willing to admit to God that you don't have this, that you can't handle this, that you don't know what to do that you're not smart enough, that you're not strong enough, that you're not wise enough, that that you have not been willing. And so that pride monster will rear its head and you will say, I am smart enough. I am good enough. I'm, I'm able to, I can handle this. And, and so anyone that I see that has a lack of, of peace, there's a pride element that is leading to that. James chapter four says, now listen, You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, we'll spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You don't know anything about what's going to happen. Anyone who worries thinks they know what's going to happen. Anyone with anxiety thinks they know what should happen, and it's not happening, and so it's giving them that anxiety. Real peace is that peace that says, God, you know what I need, and so I'm giving this over to you because I, I, I can't control this. I'm going to do my part, but I'm recognizing there's a bunch of this stuff that I just can't, 
I can't fix it. I can't, I can't make this all better. And so, Lord, I put myself in your hands. I'm a child, and you're my father. And Dad, I need help. The peace that the Bible talks about, that says the peace that surpasses all understanding, that perfect peace, that kind of peace is only available to humble people. It, it doesn't, it's not an existing offer if you struggle with pride. You will never have peace. 1 John chapter 4 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister, kids, I'm looking at you. No, they're good. I promise. Whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It doesn't... I'm going to be out of time. Let's see, where do I skip? The fruits of the Spirit are one, and they work together, and they play off of each other, and they're necessary uh, for the others to operate. And so um, some of you may, may be very gentle. Maybe your whole life you've been gentle, but I might argue that um, you may not have the fruit of the Spirit gentleness. You may have just always been gentle, um, but on the other side of that, you're not a faithful person. Faithfulness is about loyalty and courage. It's about loyalty and courage. And so maybe you've always been gentle. You're a sweetheart. You've always been a sweetheart. Even when you weren't a Christian, you were a sweetheart. That's just your chemistry. It's your makeup. It's your physiology. It's your Myers-Briggs-ness. But maybe, I mean, if we're talking about hearts, but maybe, honestly, you're a coward. And maybe you're one of those people who is so filled with love that you don't want to hurt anyone in any way whatsoever. And so you won't ever tell them the truth that they need to hear from you. Because your gentleness is actually leading to them not being changed in a radical way. I would say that that's not, not truly loving someone. Uh, if I have a friend who has food on their face, I tell them. Like, you have to be willing to tell the people when they got crap in their teeth. You have to be willing to tell your friends and family and the people that you love um, the hard truth sometimes. You can be gentle in the midst of that process, but... The fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, has an intermingling with faithfulness. And that means you have to do things that take courage and loyalty. The fruit of the Spirit is also interdependent. It just means that they, one is needed for the other one to work. You can only have self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control if you have joy. I would say if you don't have joy in your life, you will not have self-control. The reason we get addicted to things is because we don't have joy in our lives. 
You know, the, the average man doesn't cry as much as the average woman because us men have developed a self-control. It's not necessarily a good self-control. It's not the fruit of the Spirit self-control. It's the self-control that comes from um, a, a, not a kingdom place. Most men do not cry as easily as most women because at some point in our lives we cried when we were a little boy and someone came along and told us to stop crying like a little girl. And so we had to make a decision as little boys to say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm better than a little girl. I'm better than a little girl. I'm superior to little girls. That's not the fruit of self-control. It's self-control that comes from pride and from arrogance. You can get self-control a bunch of different ways. The fruit of the Spirit is intermingled with other fruit of the Spirit. I'll close with Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We're heading into Easter, which is a, a time for us to... I know this is going to be a weird saying. It, it's honestly... Uh, it's a time for us to lust for Jesus. To lust for Jesus. That you end up chasing the things that you lust after. And so if you have things that are not Jesus, this is the call in our life to crucify those things. To kill them off. That I have some things that are distracting me from him. And I want to change and have radical change that's only available through him, through the Spirit of God living in me, through the fruit of the Spirit being present in my life where people can, can see a difference, where it's a measurable change, even if I can't feel it happening, that other people see it. The Spirit of God that is inside of you, it lusts after things. It lusts after, after Jesus. It's, it's all at once. You are the bride and Jesus is the groom. The Spirit is the best man and the maid of honor. I have to close. I told you, 10-pound thing, 5-pound bag. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, just who are in different places. 
where some of us in this room, we don't really want to change anything. Some of us in this room, all we want more than anything else in the world is to change everything. Lord, I pray that you would align us with the radical change that you have been calling us into, that your spirit would produce fruit in our lives, and that we'd be able to recognize uh, how they work together, and that we can't just focus on one and not the other ones, and that we would ask ourselves some hard questions. If we've been a believer for a long time, but we don't see some of these things in our lives, that we would demand to know why that is and that we would face it with courage. I pray that you would bring about stories of radical change. Thank you for excitement. I thank you for the possibility of a different way because of the way you died on that cross for us to have it. We love you, Jesus. We owe you everything. I pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If anybody would like to be prayed for for anything at all, we'll have some prayer team people over here near the cross who'd love to pray for you. And uh, I hope to see you soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.